NFL Unwrap, where we unwrap the hottest takes around the NFL. My name is Perry Aston, joined by, as always, Christian McGowan. Sadly, today, Corbin couldn't be with us. He's in New Amsterdam traveling. Uh, you know, lucky him. But yeah, so before we start the podcast off, I wanted to bring up that you can listen to us on the Apple Podcast app, as well as SoundCloud. On Twitter, please follow us at NFL Unwrapped. You can follow me on Twitter at Perry Aston. Follow Christian on Twitter at McGowan75. So yeah, we got a jam-packed podcast to bring up for you guys today, and we're going to do a little bit of a uh, post-draft kind of analysis. We're going to go through each division, bring up kind of a winner and a loser for each division in mine and Christian's opinion. Before we get started on that, we have a couple cool stuff to bring up that we wanted to get our podcast started with, like the suspensions that this year is going to start off with. A couple players, let's just list them off. We got Saints running back Mark Ingram, which is a big one. Um, Bengals linebacker Vontae Burfick. Panthers linebacker Thomas Davis. Chargers D-tackle Corey Lugett. Raiders offensive line Vadel Alexander. And free agent quarterback Mark Sanchez. So Christian, let's talk about these for a little bit. They're all four-game suspensions placed uh, for the start of the 2018 season. Uh, which is the biggest impact for their team, do you think, out of the names I kind of just listed? I think far and none, it's Mark Ingram. Alvin Kamara is an amazing running back. I don't ever want to take anything away from his greatness, but I feel much more comfortable having Mark Ingram being the back who gets most of the carries straight down the straight down the shotgun. So that, to me, he's a starter. So that, out of all those guys, he is the most productive to his team. I know Vonta's perfect. And um, I forgot his name. It was uh, Davis from the Panthers. Yeah, Thomas, Thomas amazing Davis. amazing linebackers, but they're, they're kind of getting up there in years. And, Mark Ingram has was way more productive last year than both of those players were for their team. So with how the Saints also start the season, I can't recall off, off the top of my head, but the first four games they have are actually against pretty good competitions. I want to say the Falcons, the Rams, and the Panthers are all in their first four games. So that's going to be tough for them to to hop off uh, the gate, maybe starting 0-3 or 1-3 with their first four games. But yeah, I mean, that that's, is, that's that quite... is heartbreaking. But maybe he can get the... Um, was you get the Ezekiel Elliott treatment and push that back and you can serve that in a better time. Yeah, no, that's really crazy, honestly, to bring up just because of the fact that the Saints had such a great, you know, year last year, you're already saying they might even come out one in three just by losing one player. So that shows how important Mark Ingram really is. But, you know, that really shifts us to saying Alvin Kamara is set to now be their three down back, possibly you know, four down back if they got to go for it, but he, uh, there's no one else really to put in that's reliable in, re- you know, in regards to Mark Ingram's status or Alvin Kamara's status. Everybody else is slightly lower on the depth chart. I know they're looking, they were looking to bring in possibly a veteran to fill in, but they said they weren't going to and they were going to ride with I Kamara. Heard, uh, I don't mean to interrupt you. I actually heard that uh, Adrian Peterson uh, was open to coming back to the Saints and Sean Payne would love to have him. Yeah, that was so just... I think that that, may, that might be a story that um, we get to see in the following year reunion. Because a lot of people say that Adrian Peterson and Sean Payne had a had a, yeah, a fight on the field game one, and both of those people have said that that was just further from the case, even with Adrian Peterson being traded. So if Adrian Peterson's on the market long enough, uh, that would be a, an amazing... I don't, I don't think Adrian Peterson would come in and be the starter like Mark Ingram would, but he can take those he can take those carries, and you only need him for four games, so if he's old and he turns into dust by week five, you got your, got your starting running back. Yeah, back no, there. seriously. So, I mean, that would be a big, big addition, but I didn't go so well the first time. That definitely was a Very weird, weird kind Mark of Ingram won't be there this time. For four games, but when he does come back, you can't sure. sign Adrian Peterson just for four games, so that would leave them in another predicament when, you know, AP only has so much time left, so I really... Very true. Don't but know if that'd be with a good that said, thing. maybe he'll, if he 
accept that role being the third back now right. that he's with that injury that he suffered in the neck last year at Arizona because he's getting old. Maybe, yeah. I mean, now. I know Thomas Davis is going to be a really hard loss for the Panthers as well as sure. for the Bengals with Vontez Perfect. He's always been sort of a dirty player, so Perfect honestly is the least surprising name I see on this list. Uh, but free agent quarterback Mark Sanchez doesn't really matter because he's not even on a team right now. Uh, yeah, that might just nix him for the whole year. Yeah, I, I don't mean, think he'll get picked up. I mean, it might be one of those things that people just want to steer clear because there's clear other quarterbacks that don't have a suspension. Yeah. Meaning, so, but yeah, I wanted to bring up just a couple other things before diving into our draft analysis. Let's talk Josh McDaniels really quick. Uh, he hasn't really said much since turning the Colts down at the last second, or really not turning them down. He had an offer in place and kind of just said never mind at the last second to stay with the Patriots. So he said, you know, he wants to be a head coach again, and he's very happy with his decision, quote unquote. And you know, that's I want to hear your quick opinion because I know that we all have our thoughts with the Patriots and him staying and possibly him taking over after Belichick. But he says he's extremely happy and he wants to be a head coach again. But after doing that to the Colts, it's hard to imagine any team that would want to take the risk on McDaniel's besides the New England Patriots after what he just did. So wanted to just hear. I see you agree, but. Do you think McDaniels gets a chance head coaching elsewhere, or do you think the cards are already dealt and he's kind of just who's taken over after Belichick? Yeah, I think that that was the promise that him and uh, that Belichick and Kraft, because they had, a, I want to say it was a dinner they had with McDaniels the night before he was going to accept officially the Colts, or sign with the Colts, and he had verbally accepted it. Um, I think at that dinner that they, and no, I can't prove this 100%, but my logic would be that they had offered him you know, the keys to the Ferrari, when Bill Belichick, uh, check, Bill Belichick checks out um, <laughs> and heads off into greener pastures of probably broadcasting. Um, he'd be but, a weird broadcaster. He doesn't have too much of a personality, but he'd be an insane mind to have in the booth. But he's going to need some job. I, yeah. feel like, I feel like he'd make it like the detail. Of, I, like, feel, I feel like he, he'd be like a director of player personnel or something like yeah, that. Yeah, he'd you go know? into being an administrator role. Yeah. Yeah, so that's actually probably more likely yeah. to get him off the camera. Exactly. Let's. Uh, uh, so, yeah, I think he he will get a, a headshot, but it's going to be with the Patriots because he, he knows what he did with the Colts is not going to. If he tries to apply for another job, his resume is going to be horrible because who would take that chance on a guy that might leave them high and dry? Now the Colts were lucky enough to get who they got, but the only way he's going to be a head coach is either going to be a team overlooking that or the Patriots, which is the promise that I think went on. Oh, I I completely agree with you. He kind of put himself in a, an area that I don't think teams even want to touch him. He's just kind of radioactive right now. But I think yeah. the Patriots did that on purpose because they know and they know who their guy is and they promised him a lot. So I think he's going to be there. But let's move on to Matt Ryan and this big extension that he just got. Wanted to get a couple of thoughts on that. Matt Ryan got a five-year, $150 million extension on top of the year that he had left on his existing deal. So now he's under contract with the Falcons through 2023. Um, well, first, just want to get your raw reaction from that five-year, $150 million extension. Well, that is, I mean, good for him, good for his family. They're going to be even more secure for the rest of his life. But that isn't the number, the number that I would attribute to his skill level in terms of what he should be paid. That obviously, to me, is a move that the Falcons are, they, they want to lock up their franchise quarterback even more. But they did have a price that is going to hinder them trying to get players around him going forward. Maybe they'll luck out in the draft and they get some guys for cheap, but that is a lot of money to give to a guy that isn't throwing the ball like Aaron Rodgers. He's a good quarterback. I don't want to take anything away from him. I think he's a good quarterback, but with that amount of money, you are really hindering the rest. Dak Prescott, 
to me, and I, I, I hate the Cowboys, but I think Dak Prescott is a better quarterback than Matt Ryan. And his cap hit versus Matt Ryan's cap hit is night and day. So how are they going to compete with the Cowboys when you have that big of a, of a person taking that much resources from your team? So great player, way too much money. Yeah, no, I mean, money is inflated nowadays. We saw with when we were talking about the highest paid offensive linemen, you know, coming into this year, remember those big contracts that they were getting, and we started saying <clears throat> that, you know, secondary players aren't getting the same kind of contract. So that's one thing that's not being inflated. But quarterback is such an important position and such a high profile position, and that's where, you know, a lot of the money is thrown out. But $150 million for a guy who, you know, hasn't won a Super Bowl. Um, you know, he has proven that he can get to a Super Bowl, and I think he's proven that he can lead this team back to a Super Bowl. Obviously, seeing that the Falcons are just loading up on offense, they just want to continue to build and, you know, really try this again. <clears throat> Excuse me. But, you know, one stat I wanted to bring up about Matt Ryan uh, that I saw that really intrigued me, no quarterback in NFL history has had more passing yards than Matt Ryan with his 41,796 in his first 10 NFL seasons. So, you know, in the first 10 years, no one's had more yards than, than Matt Ryan. And that's just straight numbers right there. That's not in the Shanahan system or, you know, at this point, you know, a quarterback was here or there. It's just in the first 10 years of someone's career, no one's thrown for more yards than him. So we got to, you got to give him that. And I feel like you got to pay a guy like that because when you don't, even if he might not be perfect, who are you going to get that's better, you know? Sure. No, and, I agree. The only it, other way would be to break it all down and try to hit the draft. Yeah, and then you got... Because free agency, it's not going to happen with the franchise tag. And you got like to hope. Quarterback, I'm sorry, I keep interrupting you, but like you said, the, the quarterback market and with the franchise tag, there's not going to be another good free agent quarterback. Yeah, and what I was saying is for you know the draft, you're going to have to just sit there and hope that you're going to land another guy that's going to put sure. up you know half those numbers and be just as consistent. Yeah, uh, but, and that requires you to suck or you know push all your chips in and move up. Exactly, and you see a lot of teams willing to do so, but it's really hard because even when you do that, scouting can only go so far. There was five quarterbacks in this first round that you know any team was looking to move up and pick. It was just a coin flip. Baker Mayfield out of nowhere was the number one pick, so it really seemed like for quarterbacks, at least this year, teams didn't even have a clear-cut winner for a quarterback anyways. People are just taking shots in the dark, hoping that that's their guy. So when you got a guy that in this first 10 NFL, 10 NFL seasons putting up numbers like that, you got a guy like Julio Jones on the outside, you just drafted a guy like Calvin Ridley, you clearly know who you have under center. You want to lock him up and continue to build around him because he's so far been your closest shot to a Super Bowl you know, in recent past. But, uh, no, I agree. That's a, that's a very interesting stat, and I'm not saying that he's not a good quarterback. But 150 a is a lot. That's a very selfish move by him, but go get you a bag, son. Good yeah, you. get you a bag. I agree. Uh, let's bring up just a quick number that I loved seeing about the 2018 NFL draft before we jump into it. Uh, it was actually the highest rated and most watched NFL draft ever. Uh, some of the key numbers, you know, on Thursday, which was the first day, 11.2 million viewers, which wow. is a ton for the NFL draft. Saturday, which, you know, is the tail end of the draft, day three, you know, 2.9 million viewers averaged, and that was the most watched day three ever, and that's, you know, the tail end picks where, you know, maybe a couple names pop up that are, you know, household names, and you're like, oh, I wonder why he fell so far kind of thing, but... Still, to have people tuned in like that, 2.9 million viewers watching, you know, the tail end of the draft is crazy. English language viewership was up 25%, and Spanish language viewership was up 20%. So, all across the board, it was all up. 
Um, let's just talk one more stat about draft uh, the draft, and we'll go draft picks by school. Number one, Alabama feels like always. Uh, they had 12, 12 draft picks, which is insane. Uh, tied for second, you got NC State and Ohio State. It's really cool to see NC State up there. Didn't expect that. They each had seven. Um, yeah, it's basically their whole defensive line got drafted. I mean, yeah, just a crazy team this last year. And uh, so we got tied for fourth, um, Penn State with six, Georgia with six, LSU with six, and then tied for fifth, Wisconsin, uh, and then Miami. So with five. So and uh, oh, sorry, and uh, Washington as well with five. So that's just just a breakdown of you know school by school. But Alabama with twelve, it's insane. The two schools tied for fourth: Penn State, Georgia, LSU. They each had six. You combine them together, and that equals Alabama. So that just shows, you know, how far ahead they are, and how Nick Saban's really built such a dynasty. Uh, yeah, let's you and know how much that how much even coach, coaches just trust the Alabama brand, even in those later rounds. Yeah, seriously. Uh, all right, so let's uh, dive right in. So what, what Christian and I are going to do, we're going to go conference by conference. We'll pick one winner and one loser from uh, each division, kind of elaborate a bit on it. So let's start with the AFC East, and uh, we got the Patriots, the Bills, the Dolphins, and the Jets. Christian, do you want to start us off with a winner out of these four? So my winner would be the Jets. Sam Darnold fell to them, and that is a gift from God. <laughs> Literally, yeah. they were in a position to probably get Baker Mayfield or Josh Rosen, and they got the best quarterback in the draft, and they got Sam Darnold. So good for them. That doesn't happen that often to go and build around this kid. He's very talented. He will probably not do that well this year. The Jets aren't. <laughs> I, I, I say that, and I feel like they're going to prove me wrong, but. <laughs> They're going to be. The, they're going to suck next year, and I feel like if they ride Sam Darnold, they keep loading up on picks, and they quote unquote trust the process that they can really build around this young man that fell to them after. Yeah, no, no, I like that definitely because everyone kind of for a second was assuming Sam Darnold was going to go number one, as I was for sure in my mock drafts, and then Baker Mayfield kind of just came out out of nowhere. Uh, for me, I'm going to go for the winner of this division. I'm going to go the Buffalo Bills. Um, Josh Allen was their guy. I think it was a clear thing. I knew that, and I know that they you know, got him at seven, which some people might look at as a reach because they moved up with a trade with Tampa Bay. But still, Josh Allen, in this year of quarterback class when people were leapfrogging each other, you had no idea what quarterback was going to fall you know what I mean? It was just, you had to go up and get your guy, and with the Bills' flexibility, they were able to do that and go get Josh Allen, but the main winner that I love because they were able to do that trade with Baltimore and move to pick 16 as well, they got Tremaine Edmonds, someone that me and you were so high on. And young, we, super athletic so, so young and so athletic, and we thought that he can even go as high as the 49ers and crack the top 10. We were all starting to assume that it was going to be that, maybe Oakland, and I don't think he'd go any further past Miami for the you know the Dolphins pick but for them to get him at pick 16 after getting their guy at quarterback that's a win because even if you don't get Josh Allen you just come out with Tremaine Edmonds at pick 16 I'm still going to give that a B plus or an A because of where you drafted this kid and you got to rebuild this you know this entire team and I'm not saying the team's bad they finished nine and seven but you know at quarterback they need to find the answer for the future and this defense which is already starting to get better they just need to fill holes they got Tremaine Edmonds they also got Harrison Phillips, another guy that no one really talks about in round three. He's a D tackle out of Stanford with a lot of round two potential. I actually had him uh, in my round two mock draft. 
So for him, for them to get him at thirty uh, at round three as well was a big come up. So I thought the Bills were definitely the winners for me in this division. Uh, so let's go losers between the Patriots, Bills, Dolphins, and Jets. Who do you think? Patriots. They have yet to answer the question of WTF did they do and why did they trade Jimmy Garoppolo? They didn't address the quarterback situation. They're Brian Hoyer, if they're one hit away from Brian Hoyer being the face of the Patriots franchise. Oh. So to not have at least some some young guy that Tom Brady can pass on some semblance of information to is a loss in my opinion. You, you even had Jacoby Brissett that you had taken was it a year earlier, two years earlier, and he would have been more of a comfortable backup for me than Brian Hoyer. And then he's also a young guy, so you have that you have that narrative that he's being groomed and he's you know at least. You know, Brian Hoyer, I don't think Brian Hoyer is there to start. He knows he's a backup, but if you get a young guy, he's at least there with the with the drive to one day take over the seat. So that's yeah. that's a more competitive nature that I would want in my quarterback room than what currently is the case for the Patriots. So not that this will affect whether they win the Super Bowl or not. It's just when you draft and you're in the position that they're in, you've got to build for the future, and the future is, com- the future is coming soon for them. I'm sorry, I don't know how many years they think Brady has left, but father time is the one thing that no man will ever be able to escape. Right. I mean, it's it's so. inevitable, and I think yeah. we all can agree on that, and that's why I agree with you. The Patriots are my losers, and just like you said, it doesn't affect if they're going to possibly go to the Super Bowl again because it's Belichick and Brady and everything is still intact, and I still feel like every year until this dynasty goes away, they're going to be the clear-cut favorites to at least go to the Super Bowl. But, you know, Isaiah Wynn and Sonny Michelle are their two first-round picks. A lot of people thought with these two picks, they were going to move up and go get their guy. If that might have been Lamar Jackson, if, you know, even if they wanted to move back and just continue to accumulate uh, sorry, accumulate draft picks and get more depth and then get their guy, I would have liked that too. They ended up getting Danny Etling in the seventh round from LSU, who I didn't even like starting at LSU. There was every year they'd bring in another guy that seemed like they were going to, that, you know, he it was just clearly better than Danny Etling, but Etling had the system down and he was just a systematic quarterback. I So round seven, I guess, you know, prove me wrong, Danny Etling, but it's just not a sexy pick, as you like to say, kind of thing. So, I don't know. I mean, Isaiah Wynn and Sonny Michelle in the first round, clearly you love Georgia. You love what they did. You love their running attack. So you want to grab their best offensive line and their and their best running back because clearly they had uh, Chubb back there too. So they were able to run it out all year. So I like that their head is here with getting, you know, Two guys with chemistry, both trying to build up a consistent run game after losing Deion Lewis. It's a good addition, but you reached on Sonny Michelle. You didn't have to get. He didn't have a first round, you know, uh, tag in my book. You could have. It's a very un Belichick move. Exactly. I, I expected you know them to trade out of the first round with that thirty first pick and maybe you know trade back five to ten picks kind of thing and pick up another fifth rounder or something along those lines while you let somebody else jump into the end of the first round and grab their guy. Sonny Michelle, I think, still would have been there. And if not, you go and get a guy like Ronald Jones, you know, like the Buccaneers did or something like that. And it just seemed like... A comparable draft pick. Exactly. what he he can offer you. Yeah, and I mean, they didn't blow it as bad as um, the Seahawks did by drafting Penny, you know, as the first running back taken after Barkley, because although he's great on special teams and as a running back, he's not. He did not have a first round grade, not even close to it. He was a third round pick in in my mind. 
but yeah, so Sonny Michelle at the end of the first round, it's not a loss, and you know Isaiah wins not a loss because he can play two positions on your offensive line, and they lost some, you know, some depth they with they Solder, and that. they also lost Cameron Fleming to the Cowboys as well. So they do have depth that they need to address. So in regards to filling in Nate Solder and Dion Lewis, they did their job. I just think they could have done so much more with having two first round picks and yes, with how I many. I think they could have moved when. I was like kind of watching the TV when I heard that a team had traded up. Uh, I think it was 10 the Cardinals had traded up to get Josh Rosen. When I had heard that a team traded up, I honest to God thought the Patriots had traded up to get Josh Rosen. I thought that that was the move that was going to That would have been crazy. Wow. And it didn't happen. What well, one pick I do like from them, uh, Braxton Berrios. He's a little slot receiver from Miami. They got him in the sixth round. He's just, he must be Wes Welker's son or something like that. It's just they keep finding these small um, little slot receivers to come and just be the next guy there in New England. It seems like they found a way to find another guy late in this draft in the sixth round who has really good tape. I actually watched some, and he's uh, he's really good. So I, I, that's a really good pick that they found at the end of the draft. Such a Belichick-type player, but just what they were able to, with those two first-round picks, with rather you know, packaging them and moving up or, you know, keeping one input or moving back with the other. They could have done so many different yeah, they kind things. Of the ball yeah, they could have just done so many things they didn't. So it's, I guess, a safe pick, but I expected so much more. So did you. And how much longer is Brady going to play? They got to address exactly. this at some point. Danny Etling is not the guy. And if he is, prove me wrong, bro. But it's not not what I'm thinking for them. No, he could barely do it at LSU. And there's no way he'll be the, the dude to take over Tom Brady, but... There's a very minimal chance that he might be the next Tom Brady. Yeah. Guess, was it Tom Brady taking in the sixth round? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. He was definitely taking late in the draft. I think he might have been the sixth. But, um, so let's move on to the AFC North, and let's pick a winner and a loser for both of, uh, sorry, for this division. It's the Pittsburgh Steelers, Baltimore Ravens, Cincinnati Bengals, and Cleveland Browns. I'll start off with this one. Um... My winner is clear. It's the Baltimore Ravens. Not even a question about this. Going and getting uh, Lamar Jackson, um, which is the best pick, in my opinion, at the end of the first round. See, what they did here was what we thought the Patriots were going to do. They got in the first round, pick 25, they got Hayden Hurst, tight end. Of course, the Patriots were going to get a tight end, but you know, a positional need there. They filled like what they did with Isaiah Wynn. And then they at the last pick of the draft for the first round, they got Lamar Jackson, went and got their guy that could have been he could have been on the Patriots so that's what I thought they were going to do and that's why the Patriots were my losers and that's why the Ravens are my winners right now because Hayden Hurst is a serious talent in the first round I know some people say they might have reached a little bit but tight end is such a question for them and they definitely answered that by drafting him and drafting Mark Andrews tight end from Oklahoma in the third round also so definitely two tight ends it's going to make that room a little bit busier and a lot of young talent there. Someone's going to come out and be their guy. I know they have Max Williams there that they invested a second-round pick a couple years ago. I've actually read an article or two that he might be on the move to maybe Dallas and come in to you know, go under or try and soften the blow from Witten leaving because he, you know, he got an injury after and he really hasn't lived up to his second-round potential in Baltimore, so he might be on the moves considering they drafted two tight ends. But, yeah, the two of them, Lamar Jackson and um, Orlando Brown in the third round as well, someone that I know that you were still high on McGowan, even though he you know, really fumbled his combine. 
you said you love tape. I know you're an offensive lineman. I take your word, and I know that he's a powerful man, and he's huge. So when you watch his tape, he dominates. And just because he was a little bit slower on the 40 or he wasn't able to put up the same kind of bench press, he did put up a better 40 at his pro day, and he did improve on all numbers at his pro day. He must have just had a really bad day for the combine. And yeah, regardless, there's also, there's also some guys that play offensive line that they're just not that good in the weight room. Part of the reason why is they're so talented and they don't just they just don't try. Yeah. And then they get on the field and they're just ballers. There's yeah. there's no way I can explain it other than some dudes are just dogs and they suck in the weight room. Yeah. That's what it is. And I, I like because we had a first round pick on him, you know, great at some point, and he got picked, Everyone you know did. he got picked in the third round. So that's a win for them who also they also needed tackle depth. They went and got him. They got two tight ends, and they got Lamar Jackson. So he's got. They have to be the winner of this. Um, who do you have out of those four teams for your winner? I think that it was so easy for the Cleveland Browns to be the winner in this situation, and they are. They're going to be my losers. I don't want to spoil it, but they had the opportunity to be the best team to draft this year at one and four, and they didn't. They fumbled it. The Ravens, on the other hand, they made moves that I think will that have brought them back to relevance. Let me tell you why. We had a conversation earlier where I was joking. I was like, Patrick Mahomes should be the MVP because of how he made Alex Smith play, you know, jokingly saying that. I think Lamar Jackson will have that effect on um, Joe Flacco. Joe Flacco, he's a good quarterback, but they just drafted a quarterback in the first round. He knows his job is now on the hot seat like it has been never before. Lamar Jack, I think what is going to happen is Lamar Jackson is going to push Joe Flacco to become a better quarterback, just like Patrick Mahomes had the same effect on Alex Smith last year. That is why the Ravens are, are my pick. Beyond the fact, Orlando Brown, amazing. the third round is where you pick those guys that are first-round talents that, that have fell. When you have... Two picks that you've locked up already. You have two first-round picks that you've already scored on. You can start taking shots in the draft like Orlando Brown. And that is going to pay dividends for them going forward when you have guys that are first-round talent. That's why I like the, the, the Broncos. Not the Broncos. I know I shit on your Cowboys all the time, but Jalen Smith, that is an amazing example of taking right. a shot on a guy that was a top, top talent, but exactly. then he got hurt. And then, but you also have the bad side of like Randy Gregory, who you select, you should have been a first round, and then you know he doesn't work out. So right, you you have to Ravens just take that chance, you know. Up. You have to just take that chance. Another thing is they got Anthony Averett in the first, uh, fourth round. He's the cornerback out of Alabama. They got twelve players in this draft. That's how many players they accumulated from the 20, 2018 NFL draft in seven rounds. They got twelve players. So talk about filling holes. They really know that they had so many spots to fill on their roster. They went out. They filled those spots. They also went out got an extra tight end. Instead of just drafting one guy, they went and got another guy just in case and to add depth. And they went out and got Lamar Jackson when Flacco's coming up on a contract year. So the Ravens couldn't have done anything better in this draft, especially after you know we all thought they might have went and got Des Bryant or something like that. And they ended up drafting two wide receivers, not very big names, one from New Mexico State, one from UCLA. And they went out and signed. I know in all of our previous podcasts, we talk about the signings that they've already done for the receivers. So they've addressed the position. You know what I mean? They've addressed every position and added depth on this roster. And now they find their guys for the future. I really like what the Ravens are doing. So let's move on to losers of this division. I know you already said yours. We got the Steelers, the Bengals, the Browns. I'm going to agree with you on the Browns because the other two teams really didn't 
win or lose this draft. I like the Steelers, how they got Mason Rudolph. I know be- Big Ben. Yeah, yeah, I know Ben Roethlisberger doesn't like that pick, but may- they they snagged him. You know, a lot later than I thought. He was in a third round pick for them, and he's going to be their guy for the future once Big Ben's done playing. So they definitely can't be the losers, but they definitely didn't do as well as the Ravens did for me. That's why they didn't win it. But the Browns. You know, I love the position that they put themselves in for this draft. Of course, we all did. They have they had the number one pick, they had the number four pick, and they had so many other picks in the second and third and fourth round, and they continued. But it was just surprise, right? Baker Mayfield, number one. Denzel, Denzel Ward at number four. Both of those, I would say, are reaches. Denzel, they both fill needs, and both of them are probably their guys. So I'm not going to say that they're... You know, they missed on these picks, but Denzel Ward, in my opinion, I thought he was going to fall to, you know, the Buccaneers, maybe the Bears, you know, at the tail, like right around number 10. And if anything. If Derwin James fell, probably Denzel Ward would have fell too. Yeah, I mean, Derwin James fell a lot too. He almost fell away to the Cowboys. He fell to the Chargers. Uh, But the thing was, another thing that made the Browns losers for me was because they had two picks the first pick of the second round and the third pick of the second round. They went out and got Austin Corbett, offensive guard from Nevada, who at that point wasn't even my highest offensive line on the board. And that's... Well, uh, Hernandez was still there, wasn't yeah, he? Yeah, exactly. So at that point, it blew my mind to see this happen. And for, you know, Nick Chubb, running back with the third pick of the second round, I would have much rather got a guy like Ronald Jones. You know, I would much rather would have invested a pick like that. Or if you're going to pick at the, you know, you make a move with the Patriots, take advantage of what they're trying to do, possibly go after Sonny Michelle, who I think is a much better running back out of the same school, out of that running back Do I know Michelle's got some fumbling problems, but he's got a ton of productivity, a ton of talent, a ton of speed, a ton of power. Michelle's, in my opinion, much better than Nick Chubb. And for them to go pretty much at the same spot, you know, at the tail end of the first and right in the beginning of the second, it's crazy to, to me that that even happened or that the Browns weren't able to do something more. It just seemed like at any point they could have done more, but they didn't. One pick I do want to bring up, Chad Thomas, D-end out of Miami in the third round. He actually used to produce music for Rick Ross uh, and other artists as well. He's pretty big. Look up Chad Thomas, Miami, D-end. Look up his music career. Um, it's actually really cool. He's made a, he's had a, made a lot of money already. Uh, he's not just another you know college kid who's trying to make his dream. He's so talented that he... Should just stick with producing is what people are saying, but he wanted to prove to some of the doubters, of course, football is his main love, and that's in his heart, and he doesn't feel like he's done with it yet, but the people were saying that he needed to prove that this was first before music, so he proved it to plenty of NFL teams, all the NFL personnel, through this whole process, through the combine, that he's committed, and the Browns invested a third-round pick in him, and I th- he had some good, num- good numbers in Miami, he's still slightly raw, but you know, to see a guy who's so talented to where he's like, you know what, I'm gonna stop making songs for Rick Ross and you know Maybach music and just say screw it and just become a third round pick, you know that's just crazy to me. But yeah, as you know, someone who loves music myself, I love seeing you know culture and sports mix. So if Do you, you got- know if he has plans to start back up now that the Nazi NCAA won't prevent him from making music and money chad thomas no because one thing was that nfl teams didn't want to take the risk on him if, if he at any point 
had doubts that he wanted to go back and you know start making music again. And I'm sure during the, the off season? during during the off season, that's kind of what are you gonna do? Tell a man that he can't do something like yeah. you you can't go fi- make more money. Exactly, you can't go fishing. You can't go do something like guys will be like, you can I'll do whatever I want. It's the off season. My job is not you know going right now. It's my vacation time. I'll spend it with my family. Yeah, I'll go make training. Yeah, you do whatever you want. But so at that point, yes, of course. But you know who wants someone that's focused on finishing a song during you know OTAs. You know what I mean? So, so at that point, it's not that a team might not say, you know what, that is pretty cool. I'm sure the guy can juggle both. I'm sure he could. It's just they're saying we can just go get another DN who doesn't have music in the back of his mind. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, I feel you. I just hope that as he grows, because it seems like he has a talent with music. I would hate for football if he's a you know he ends up being a great player for the next ten years. One one thing that I do, what I do love about this is that how long do football players really play? At least to what age? You know, exactly. So when you get to age forty, if you're still playing football, you usually are a quarterback. First off, not a position that is taking a lot of hits. But regardless, if you make it to forty, you're considered old. You're considered you know a veteran, OG like, and you should be retiring any year. You kind of just are you know keep it going at that point. If you're forty and producing music who cares if you're 60 and producing music who cares if it's fire if you're 90 keep going you know what i mean yeah if you got it yeah that's what i'm saying so that's why i think it's so cool because i know that that guy has a backup plan and that's what a lot of these guys you know of course don't have because this is their dream and it's their career but you know when sports is over it's cool some you probably get bored too so you know to have such a passion that you can just jump right back into i think is so cool but uh yeah so there's our winners and losers for that division let's move on to the afc south we have the Jaguars, the Titans, the Colts, and the Texans. So you can start off with this one with your winner between those four. Ooh, can I defer to you? I need like another second. Yeah, no, I'm going to go with the Colts. No co- team really stands out yeah, to me. The Colts I'm gonna go trading co- back. I'll go Colts. I'll start off with this just real quick because they got Quentin Nelson. That's literally it. I even saw a video the Colts put out. They said he was the first. He's the first one on the practice field, and he's the last one by a few hours. He's just out there doing O line drills by himself. Andrew Luck is such a question mark, and the Colts know that without Luck, they're screwed right now at the quarterback position. So all Colts fans are just riding this wave until you know Andrew Luck comes back. But in the meantime, they got to fill these holes around him. They're not a team that's equipped to compete right now, and they're not even a team equipped to protect their quarterback. So for them to go out and get what we think might be one of the best offensive linemen to come out of the draft in recent history, he is a serious juggernaut, and for them to invest a pick in him and show that they're committed to protecting Andrew Luck, that's enough for me, let alone the fact that the Colts went out and filled this roster they seriously did they went and got other picks as well but i'm just gonna just talk about that one and talk about what a huge need that was for the indianapolis colts and just how they were able you know to fill that when such a need and the thing is you know also you know getting taekwon lewis for me uh in the end of the third round i know he's a name that some people don't know but he's a dn out of ohio state i remember watching a game last year uh my old boss was a huge Ohio State fan so I was watching that game he seemed like the biggest baddest person in the entire campus on that entire field he took his helmet off and started yelling at the crowd I don't know I was intimidated just watching him from the tv screen I looked at my boss and said that dude's gonna be a first round talent I was wrong because he was a second round talent of course but yeah that's a name that will always kind of stick in my head just as an animal so I'm excited to see if he's able to do anything on the Colts so yeah, I agree. I agree with you. It's going to be the Colts, also because they were able to trade back and accumulate picks. This division, I'm going to lead mine into who my loser is. 
this division really didn't do anything for me. The Jaguars also were whatever. But the Texans had to have been the de facto loser for the Salt Pack. They didn't even pick until the third round. I know they got Justin Reed out of Stanford, but they they trade. And I know last year they'd be considered a winner because they traded up and got Deshaun Watson, who I think everyone at NFL and Rapt agrees that Deshaun Watson's going to be an all star and is going to be a great quarterback in the yeah, near future. Definitely. But in terms of the the criteria for us, it's got to be them. They didn't pick until the third round. You know, maybe when the season's over, they might have scored some hidden gems. But just off of face value, they got to be the loser in this division. What about you, Kurt? Um, for the loser, <clears throat> I'm gonna have to say the I'm gonna have to say the Jaguars, honestly, because I thought they were gonna do a little bit more. I thought their their first round pick, Taven Bryan. I think he is a positional fit, but Taven Bryan isn't a first round talent in my opinion. I know that we I had him in my mock draft going to the Falcons at the end of the first round, but we were very clear on that the mock draft for what we think is going to happen, not what we would do. And Taven Bryan's a second round talent to me, and I I like the Jaguars and how they say yes, our D line is badass, and we're going to keep continuing to add to that and just get bigger and better, but. I don't think this was the right pick at the right time. And getting DJ Chark receiver in the second round, yes, you filled that receiver need that I liked. But I think in the end of the first round, there was so much other talent there for linebacker, for receiver, for, you know, even, you know, D end I liked better than Taven Bryan here for them just because of how great the Jaguars D-line already is. So I think it was a waste of a pick. And I like him there because of Calais Campbell getting older and him not going to be there for very long. But, you know, Taven Bryan's a project pick. He's not the guy that's going to come in and make a difference right away. But then again, with this defense, you might not need a guy who's going to. But I thought... And then they're in a position where they can take time and develop this guy if they think that his top potential is very, very high. Yeah, no, definitely. And I I like where their head's at in regards to the team. You know, that team is in a great position. Don't get me wrong. The Jags, I think they have a chance to possibly make a Super Bowl run. I, I can't say that with confidence with Blake Bortle as their quarterback. But, but they were hard you know, beat last year. with the rest of their team and that coaching, you know, it looks really good for them. So but let's move on to the next division, the AFC West. We got the Kansas City Chiefs, the Los Angeles Chargers, the Oakland Raiders, and the Denver Broncos. So I'm going to start off with this one. And, you know, we're going to just list our winner right now, the Raiders for me. And that's just because of a couple late kind of acquisitions that they that they made in this draft one of them being Arden Key from LSU they got him late in the third round and that was such a steal in my opinion because he fell because of character concerns he isn't the sharpest tool in the shed when it comes to his behavior and stuff like that so he screwed up a bit in the combine process and I I read that his interviews weren't amazing but still he his talents undeniable I know that everybody in the Louisiana area is a huge fan of Arden Key when I put up this tweet I got a lot of you know responses back about you know how they thought this was going to be such a great pick for them and you know with coach Gruden there now he's a serious guy in regards to whipping them back into shape and uh you know, Arden Key for me, I, I just such a big steal. Colton Miller in the first round, um, it was a reach at pick 15, but I, I knew that was their guy. I read that towards the end. It was, I think, it was the day of the draft. I was reading that they're locked in on Colton Miller, so they love what he was able to bring. And I know PJ Hall in the second round, someone that you mentioned. I'll let you just do a quick tidbit on him because I know that you actually played against him, right? No. So what what happened is. Um 
So when I was recruited out of junior college, I came into a situation where the starting left tackle was going into his senior year, and I came in and stole it and made it my own. So, But this guy, the year before I had came, he was unfortunate enough to play P.J. Hall at Sam Houston State. And I want to say he lit up four or five sacks just in that playoff game against Sam Houston State. Wow. Um, and so I was watching film. And, and at this point, P.J. Hall was a redshirt freshman. I think he went to the University of Alabama as a walk-on his freshman year and then uh, transferred and was on full scholarship at a FCS Sam Houston State and was like a freshman All-American because he de- his, his name was Aaron Reed. Uh, he destroyed him in the playoff game. And, it, uh, you know, I, I, there's very few people that I was, you know, scared to go against. And he was definitely one of the guys that, you know, uh, you know our team kind of tanked and didn't make the playoffs. But if we had made the playoffs, Sam Houston State would have been the team that we would play. And I knew that, you know, my ass would be going one-on-one against him. And, it, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of scary. He was a freshman All-American. The, the guy's spot that I took the year before, as a freshman, he bossed him up. So as a sophomore, you know, I was – you know, a little bit intimidated. He's a he's a smaller guy. He's not very tall, but he's dangerous. He's one of those guys that's very strong. He'll knock you straight on your back with one hand. So it, it was a little bit of a reach um, when I first heard it. But from my initial reaction is there must have been such a high evaluation on him by other teams that the Raiders felt like they needed to, to – pick him in the second round instead of like the third or the fourth, which he was initially predicted to be taken. And, and that's the that's that's the thing. I didn't really I didn't do much research on PJ Hall. I did hear the name, but I didn't know much. And then you made a comment and we're like, oh whoa, PJ Hall and then you started bringing up that story. And apparently, yeah, he's a monster. The Raiders are super high on him. And another guy that they added to this defense, besides, so P.J. Hall, Arden Key, in the end of the third round, they were able to slide. And now let's just bring up this name really quick. In the fifth round, Maurice Hurst. Amazing. The fifth the first round talent before Christian, the, draft, the fifth the round, dude. You and I both were saying, let's hear it from a doctor that he can't play, and then we'll take him out of our first round. Because at this point, he's a first-round talent. And then, getting closer to the draft, we both accepted. I accepted, yes, he's probably going to slide to the second. If he slides to the third, that's a huge come-up for whatever team's going to go and grab him. He just slid to the fifth round, and the Raiders were able to reap the benefits. So for you to come out with P.J. Hall, Arden Key, Maurice Hurst, all for your D-line, all in one draft, you're doing a hell of a job right there, especially with where you're able to get these guys. Because Maurice Hurst isn't going to be isn't going to be getting the same kind of contract as he would have gotten, you know, as if before any of these heart issues or anything like that. Because for a fifth round slide, I think it might have been more than just the heart issue. And if it was, then it must be, you know, somewhat serious. But regardless, the Raiders are the, seem like the kind of team that will take chances on players with Gruden there right now, and they have a slightly older team. I don't like their roster because of how old it is. I'm not talking Amari Cooper and Derek Carr. I'm talking about throughout depth wise, their whole team. Their average age isn't, you know, very low, and all of their free agent signings seem to be veterans. So it was seem like. But it seemed like a win-now kind of thing. So I like where Gruden's head's at, but I also like where they were with the, this draft where they're able to fill their needs and address the future and pick up some serious pieces for this D-line in rounds 2, 3, and 5. All pick, all guys that could have floated towards the first or the second round at any draft at any time, and they were all able to get spread out like this. So the Raiders, definite come out. Um, do you agree with the Raiders as the winners of this draft, or do you think the Broncos, Chargers, or Chiefs were more of a... More winners. Um, I think this is a division that did uh, like a pretty like if the last division did a shitty job, this would be the division that did a really good job because 
the Chargers also getting Derwin James at 17 was, yeah. was a steal. But Seriously. the Raiders just made their D-line very young, very athletic, and very freaky. Yeah. That, and that makes them the winner to me. The loser to me is going to be the Broncos. They had the opportunity. I don't like their quarterback situation. I understand they scored on D-line. They got a very safe player, a uh, player that helps their D-line and will be amazing tandem with Vaughn, uh, with Vaughn Miller. But you fumbled free agency and you went safe in the draft. You're not having a formula that's going to make people believe that you're going to improve. My friend Peyton, who lives around the Denver area, he is not, I mean, as a, as a person who goes to Broncos games and consumes their product, he is not happy at all with the decisions they've made. So, obviously, we're fans of football. They have their formula for success, and maybe it's going to work out. I do not think there is any chance the Broncos are going to be a team that we talk about winning the Super Bowl next year. They got Kirk Cousins? Maybe. But yeah. in their situation, there's no quarterback building for the future, and you got a safe pick with a bad free agency. What do you think, Perry? Yeah, I like Bradley Chubb. I just, just like you said, I think the Broncos could have done more. But for me, the loser of this division is the Chiefs. They didn't do much with this draft. They didn't have a first-round pick. Their first pick was in the second round. And every single person that they picked from top to bottom was kind of a boring pick. And I guess they filled positional needs, but... They didn't make any moves that seemed like, you know, they jumped off the paper for me. Their second round pick was Breland Speaks, you know, out of Ole Miss, who wasn't a guy who on anyone's second round draft boards, uh, you know, Derek Naughty in the third round, Doreen O'Daniel, Armani Watts, Tremont Smith, Khalil McKenzie. Got, there's a couple names that I noticed, but you know, no picks here that jump off the page for me. They didn't make any moves to jump back into the first you, round. You want to hear something funny? Yeah. So that McKenzie guy, his dad is the GM for the Oakland Raiders. Oh. So that means his dad thought he wasn't good enough to be drafted <laughs> five times before he was picked. Yeah, wow. McKenzie. So I didn't even know that. That's really funny. That kind of sucks. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> it's yes. his fault. He's a junior. He declared way too early. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, no. So the Chiefs team that I expected to do something with you know some of their mid-round draft picks if not move back into the first and or at least reap the benefits of teams trying to move back and you know just keep I don't know I just thought they would do a little bit more it was a little boring for me let's move on to the best division in the NFL in my opinion because my Cowboys are in it the NFC East actually I think is going to be the most fun division to watch this year uh, it's got the Eagles, Cowboys, Redskins, and Giants. Eagles, of course, coming off their Super Bowl victory. Uh, Giants coming off one of their worst years in a long time. Um, so let's dive right into here to winners and losers. I'll let you start off with this one with the winner. So the winner for me, and this will probably be, I'll mention it later when we talk about another point, it's going to be the Giants for me. You got Willie Hernandez, Saquon Barkley, and you got Nate Solder in free agency. They have a formula to really turn things around next year. Sorry, Ben McAdoo, you're not going to get the chance to reap the rewards of a pretty good team, but they had it. They they weren't bad. They were bad because of a few certain things, offensive line being the main one. What did they do? They got a first-round offensive lineman who slid to the second round. You got a proven left tackle from the Patriots who has proven himself year after year, then you sign them to a pretty good deal. And then you also got Saquon Barkley. When you have a good running back, it takes pressure not only off of the quarterback but the offensive line because it changes the blitz schemes that teams can throw at you. Now when you have a running back who can 
you know, pop out on, on blitzes and, you know, he can run that little flanker, you dump it off to him and boom, 20, 30 yards on a very simple play. The Giants made the most moves and I think they're going to be the team that really surprises us next year. What about you, Perry? Uh, I, it kills me to say it as a Cowboys fan, of course, but I completely 100% agree with you. The Giants murdered this draft. I think they were the number one team out of anybody in this whole draft. Uh, and they, with their number one pick, you know, Saquon Barkley, someone that we all were saying is just so talented. I actually predicted him going to the Giants, so I feel good about that. It is just one of those... Well, how can you pass up on this guy? I understand Very minimal that. Bust potential. I understand everyone is freaking out right now about these quarterbacks. I understand people are leapfrogging each other, but you are you need to stay put at the second pick unless you know for a fact that your guy is Bradley Chubb or someone along those lines where you feel confident that you can move back a few picks and he'll definitely be there. Saquon Barkley's might not be there. I know everyone's going for a quarterback, but everyone's got that same mindset. Holy shit, if Saquon Barkley's there at four or five, why would anyone pass that up? Six, seven, I'm going to jump into the GM chair myself and go pick him up. So at that point, for him to, for them to be there at two and realize such a generational talent's coming up and that someone else in the division is named Ezekiel Elliott and they clear, he's clearly turned around this Cowboys running game, it was so quickly in his rookie year, you're able to see what one guy can do. I'm, I see that same thing happening with Saquon Barkley. Him coming in, making an immediate impact. Him being one of the new faces of the NFL. Him coming into a blessed situation and them still being able to compete and win because of the fact that Eli Manning is there and still can play football, will actually have a better O-line, will actually have a good running back, and will actually have a supporting cast on defense that hopefully will stop some teams. So the Giants seem to be poised to at least win more than three games. You know what I mean? And yeah, that was pitiful. Three games. And so Saquon Barkley is just clearly that number one winner. But Will Hernandez, someone that me and I said he was going to be going to the Ravens midway through the first, his his combine was off the charts. I know that you were saying he's better than Rich, Richie Incognito is right now. Yes, that was from Steve, Steve Smith. Smith. Yeah, Steve Smith was saying that. And, you know, it's crazy because I agree. And Will Hernandez put up, the I think it was the most reps. I think he was the third for 40 time. Every, his, you know, his cone shuttle, everything was off the charts. Will Hernandez is a starter right away, a guy that's going to make a serious difference on your offensive line. And you have him there blocking for Saquon Barkley. You went and got Nate Solder, just like you said, just a serious offseason for them. Lorenzo Carter in the third round. I know a lot of people had a second round grade on him uh, out of Georgia, off, uh, outside linebacker. I know a lot of people are high on him. So for them to pick him up is big as well. B.J. Hill from NC State in the third round, another guy that I saw him in a lot of second-round mocks. And Kyle Lauluda, he is from Richmond, quarterback. I've read that he might be the biggest come-up in regards to quarterback in this draft. He is perfect for the Giants system is what I read. And for him to have another year or two under Eli Manning, two years maybe, who knows. And they have Davis Webb there from Cal. But for them to get a guy in there who's got typical NFL size, accuracy, and just needs to get more confidence and you know get into a new system, I've been reading that he should be the guy who takes over after Eli Manning, and that the, they feel serious about it. And it's the fourth round, and you know he could be this year's Dak Prescott. Uh, obviously, I don't think he's going to be playing this year, but I think he's going to do an amazing job of seasoning under Eli Manning, and I think he's going to be the surprise quarterback out of these guys. Um, Interesting. 
only because Mason Rudolph wouldn't be really too much of a surprise for me. I know he's going to be really good, and I'm surprised he slipped to the third. Uh, Kyle Leiter, I didn't even bring up his name one time in this uh, pre-draft, you know, because we weren't looking as far down as the fourth and fifth and sixth fourth round. round. And really reading what I did, it was I was surprised. I said I'm. Su- I'm shocked he didn't go third round. I'm shocked Mason Rudolph went third round, but Laluda seems like a kind of guy that a lot of teams were going after. So the Giants seem like they found their guy, and they filled in every hole and got some serious guys before that. So the Giants, A-plus, round of applause. You murdered this draft, and that's coming from a Cowboys fan. So so speaking of the Cowboys, this is going to hurt Perry. Is that your losers? The team that I think lose was the Cowboys. It's okay. And I, I don't think they did bad. I think the, the division did well in general, but... Vander Eichen lettuce Vander sandwich. Um, he, <laughs> he's pretty good. He's not bad. Uh, he didn't start until his last year of college, and that necessarily doesn't scare me. What I would have liked to see, what I would have liked to have seen, was with Tremaine Edmonds going at sixteen, and how easily it was for the Bills to trade up and get him, and the fact that Tremaine. Edmonds fell, not Jermaine Edmonds, Derwin James had fell to 17. I would have loved for the Cowboys to have spent what those two, what the Bills had spent to get up to 16, to either get up to 17 or made that move themselves to get up to 16 and get Tremaine Edmonds or Derwin James. So I think they lose for the fact that they weren't hungry enough to jump those two slots and get a guy in the draft that I have a much, and as I said, there's nothing wrong with uh, the Boise State linebacker that they got. I'm not going to try to get his name again. Vander Esch. Vander Esch. Yeah, gotcha. <laughs> but they could have just hopped two spots, three spots, and got a transcendent player. I think they got a guy that will not be a starter this year. He'll get some reps, but I don't think he'll be a starter. I think if they got Derwin James or Tremaine Edmonds, they could have gotten a starter right away. And all they would have to have given up, I want to say, the fourth and the seventh round pick. That's what the Bills had spent to get up there. Yeah. And that's nothing to get what I think the improvement level would have been from Vander to Derwin James. Yeah, no, I, see, I see what you're saying. The only reason why I don't have the Cowboys as a losers here is because they got Connor Williams in the second round, who me and you, I think, both had as our highest... Uh, rated offensive tackle, but you know, pretty much in general. I know McGlinchey was up there as well, but Connor Williams was a guy that we both had in the first round, no doubt. And the fact that he slipped to the second round and was able to go to a team in Texas, it was a really cool story. So I like that a lot as a Cowboys fan. But yeah, I see what you mean. I really wanted them to get Derwin James. That was just. He was just sitting there all salivating, so it really sucks that they didn't, but it's okay. Um, Washington Redskins, I can't make them the losers either. Deron Payne in the first round and getting Darius Geis late in the second because you know people thought he had character issues, whatever that may have been. He's a, a first-round talent. If out of any of the running backs besides Saquon Barkley, we had Darius Geis in the end of our first round. At least I had him on one of my mock drafts to the Lions. I thought out of anyone, he would be the second running back taken, and I'm, I, I really like him a lot. And I know I don't know what the character issues are, and I know throughout the combine, nothing's came out. He's been very on it about I don't know what this is, I don't know why you know anyone's talking about that. I did read that some of his interviews were extremely unimpressive, and he was slightly immature. But you know, from a football standpoint, to grab him way late in the second round was just to come up for me, for them, so that saved them with De'Ron Payne. The Eagles are my losers. Um, you know, one, two, three, four. They got five guys out of seven rounds in this draft. And I know that they're the Super Bowl winners, so they're not looking to load up 
and you know fill in all of these holes but you know the, I expected them to move back more than they did I expected them to accumulate more picks um, and Dallas Godard you know in the second round is a good pick with Trey Burton leaving in free agency um, but that you know that pick to me might have even been a little bit of a reach for them that wasn't their biggest need I really wanted to see them take you know an offensive lineman higher possibly even a tight end uh, sorry possibly even a D end is what I was mean uh, so but they didn't so Dallas Goddard was a good pick but past that Avante Maddox Josh Sweet Matt Pryor Jordan uh, Maldada it's they're they're okay picks you know nothing nothing that stands off the board for me Dallas Goddard is a good pick in the second round but for the rest of the the draft they were pretty absent so the Philadelphia Eagles I would say the losers of this uh division but it's not like they needed to fill in a ton of holes considering they just won the Super Bowl uh but when you're looking at just who they picked up on draft day it doesn't really pop off the the page for me so I'm going to go Eagles for my loser um so let's move on to the NFC North we got the Vikings the Lions the Packers and the Bears uh I'll start off with this one uh, my winner is definitely going to be the Bears. Uh, I really like what they did this offseason, getting Allen Robinson, um, going out and you know landing um, some D some D line help. Sorry about that, but yeah, I just really like what they were able to do with Rokon Smith, the eighth pick. Rokon Smith, he's such an animal, and we were all talking about it. And they need someone to fill in at, at in their uh, linebacking core and come and be the face for their future so Roquan Smith just such a talent that they were able to bring in I like that they didn't move up or down I like that they stayed put and got their guy who they no one really knew who they were going to go after and getting Allen Robinson you know wide receiver and Taylor Gabriel and free agency you're clearly dedicated to putting you know people around Trebinsky, you got Trey Burton from the Eagles, so they have done such a good job with this offense. Roquan Smith with the first pick is just such a clear pick for that defense that they show that they're serious on. And Kyle Fuller coming back and Prince of Mukamura, they've done and some. They have, uh, Kevin White too, right? He's yeah, also, yeah. Who uh, knows? And I'm not sure if Kevin White's coming back yet or not, but it's. A I na- saw a video of him. He's training in some kind of tropical place, but he looks in amazing shape. And that's a name that people forget that they even have on that roster too. So. I'm Imagine if he comes back healthy, half is you know talented as people thought he was going to be. That's yeah, going to be a top five pick. That's that's a pick. big pickup. So, but in the second round, James Daniels, um, you know, center and guard from Iowa. He, uh, you know, that's a big pick as well, and I like that they were able to grab him. I think it might have been a slight reach, but, you know, he definitely is a solid pick for them and a solid pick with Roquan Smith. I like that they didn't move up or down. That's why they're, you know, my winner because I thought they were really going to, and they stayed put. They picked their guys, Anthony Miller, wide receiver, in the end of the second round. Uh, That's when they started, you know, trading for picks. They got him, wide receiver out of Memphis, who's a lanky, fast guy. I know I was reading some very good stuff about Anthony Miller. They found a way to just continue and improve this roster, you know, this entire offseason. Very impressed with what the Bears have been able to do. And I like what they're, you know, their trust in Trubinsky. I like that they got a new coaching staff in there, and I really like what the Bears are doing. No, I agree. I uh, I don't think they had a bad uh, draft at all, but I think in, in my opinion, the Packers were the winners of this Yeah, division. definitely. They had a great, great yeah, draft. I know too. Corbin is the GM owner and the starting quarterback. Oh, yeah, we don't, we don't have the GM on today. <laughs> but, you know, the, the GM's in Amsterdam celebrating his college graduation, and I'll be in a foreign country soon celebrating mine. But I think the winners, because they got Jaree Alexander, they traded back and got him, and they were able to pick up Josh and Jackson. And Josh Jackson, yeah. Their defensive backfield was 
horrible. Aaron Rodgers deserves better. Corbin, get your man some more help. Aaron Rodgers needs some more help all around the board. Defensive back was one of them, especially letting go uh, Demarius Randall. They traded him to the Cleveland Browns. With him gone too, they needed talent, and that's what they got. Yeah, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna have to change mine. You know, looking at all of these picks in front of me right now, I know I love what the, I said. I was I was mentioning a couple of the Bears offseason acquisitions as well as in Taylor Gabriel and Allen Robinson. I can't really put that into draft analysis. Regardless, I got to just go with who they got on draft day. But yeah, just like what you're talking about right now, the Packers had a serious day. They got Jair Alexander and Josh Jackson, but two names that we haven't seen uh, in the fifth and sixth round. They got Marquez Valdez Scantling and equanimous St. Brown two two receivers one out of South Florida one out of uh, Notre Dame both guys I thought the Cowboys were going to pick later on and they're both equanimous St. Brown I believe he's 6 foot 5 um, and yeah, so they've definitely, and they picked up how many? 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11 guys in this draft. So I have to go Packers on this one. I, I agree with you. I got to take that back. So apologies to Corbin when he hears this. Um, yeah, no, hopefully he doesn't get too upset because I know he takes this very personally. But yeah, the uh, the Packers had a serious day, and you're right. Um, but yeah, the Bears also did pretty well. Do who, I'm going to ask you first, who's your losers out of these four? Out of the Vikings, and Lions. I know one Packers. of our loyal fans, Mikey, Mikey White, who also my fellow graduate of my class. Congrats, guys. me on this. The Lions. He's a fan. What? The Lions messed up. The what? Frank, Frank, Rag, Frank Ragnow at the 20th I can't third. even tell you his name. He's not a bad player. Third round talent. Third round. He spent a first round player for a third round talent. Shouts out to him. He just got paid. He shouldn't have been. You guys could have traded back. Could have done, could have traded up. You literally could have done anything, but you chose to pick an SEC center that no one had heard of in the first round. I hope this works out for you, but Patricia, that is is not a great start to your tenure. I am very, besides the fact that I understand you can't hold everything against him, he had that uh, was a sexual assault uh, accusation. He was accused of it, never was charged with it. And you fumbled a draft in the same week, son. This is not a great start to your job. What Damn. You, well, no, I agree with you with the Lions. Um, just like you said, Frank Ragnow, um, he wasn't even in my two-round prediction. He would have been right in the beginning of my third round, possibly at the end of the second, but nowhere close to the 20th overall pick. So definitely a reach at center. I even like James Daniels better than I liked Ragnow, um, the guy that I just brought up that the Bears went and got in the second round, which is a lot makes a lot more sense to me than this one. Uh, but Carryon Johnson's not bad in the second round. Again, I would have liked to see you know people move up for Ronald Jones or even them take a chance on Darius Geis. But yeah. you know Carryon Johnson is a fast running back that you can add to that committee. And uh, but other than that, you know this Frank Ragnow is definitely a reach, and the rest of the guys on this list. Um, it's it's not a bad draft, but from the rest, you know how great the the Packers did and the Bears, and uh, you know it just really doesn't seem you know and the Vikings even too. It doesn't seem like they did much, and they definitely fumbled on their first pick. Uh, Tyrell Crosby and Deshaun Hand, fourth and fifth round picks, both guys that I actually do like. So definitely for Mikey, it wasn't a uh, complete loss. I do like what no, they what they did pick, here. They, yeah, they fumbled. They definitely could have. They definitely could have moved back. back. They could have moved back five to ten spots and probably still picked him up. 
But, uh, five yeah. to ten, they could trade it back fifteen to twenty. Yeah, still no, probably got them. Definitely. Um, but let's talk about uh, let's talk NFC South. Let's talk uh, New Orleans Saints, Carolina Panthers, Atlanta Falcons, and Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, I'll let you start off with this one for Who winners. That the Saints. Nice. They traded up. I don't care that they spent two first round picks. They're going to be a great team next year. That's going to be a top. That's going to be a high twenty maybe even a 30 pick next year. They went up and got a guy who will complement the defense with Cam Jordan so freaking well. Yeah. This man is uber talented. I would have loved to see the Packers get him, but I'm not sad that he went to the Saints. He will give them pass rush, pass rush, pass rush right off the bat, and the more that he develops, he will turn into a run game monster just like Jadavion Clowney. I think they knocked this one out of the park, and I usually am one that wants to hate on the Saints because – I'm in New Orleans, and I love going against what you know everyone. What bandwagon's going on? Yeah. But this this was a great pick for them. They spent, they didn't overspend too much, but they got a player who the only, the only knock that you can make on this player is he went to a small school, and the amount of competition he saw day in and day out wasn't all there. But you cannot deny this man's top level talent, and the Saints got a guy that. If you know, if you give him the right coaching, he can help them win a Super Bowl this year, next year. I mean, yeah, no, I mean Marcus Davenport's raw, that's for sure. But he's in a good system now for him. He's in a position to where he can groom on this defensive line and make an immediate impact, but not have to make an immediate impact. You know what I mean? And a team that has done very well with not only offensive rookies, but just rookies, defensive rookies. Marcus Lattimore, they do well with young guys. Yep, they do. Um, so yeah, uh, my winner for this one, it's going to be the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And I know that might sound like a bit of a surprise, but I brought up Ronald Jones like 17 times this podcast. And the fact that they were they grabbed him in the second round, uh, the sixth pick of the second round is big. But Vita Vea at the 12th pick, they moved back and got a guy that was kind of the best available at that point because defensive tackle wasn't even on my list of their needs at all. Um, of course, running back, any of their secondary needed help, you know, even put a receiver there too. But, you know, running back was a serious need, and I was glad to see them address that with Ronald Jones. And that's a guy that I think is going to be, you know, such an impactful player that people aren't talking about, also because of the fact that he just got blessed with he's already number one on the depth chart. The running back list there isn't anything to write home about. Jacquees Rogers. You know, did a decent job filling in last year, but you know they don't have any guy there anymore. And so for him to come in and hopefully build with Jameis Winston, I like that pick. But Vita Vea at twelve, that's a guy that I expected you know to go around here, possibly even you know ninth or tenth. But I like that Tampa Bay got more picks in this draft by moving back and just picking a guy that they felt is going to help their team and not feel that they have to rush and pick uh, you know, a cornerback or a safety right away. Because in the you know second round, they had three second-round picks, so the Tampa Bay Bucks were in a good position. They went Ronald Jones, yes, but right after that, they went cornerback and cornerback. So I really like how they set themselves up. MJ Stewart, North Carolina, and Carlton Davis, Auburn. I like Carlton Davis more than MJ Stewart, but both of those two guys, at least one of them is going to come in and make an impact on your team right away, in my opinion. And these are two second-round guys you're investing, two two cornerbacks you're investing a second-round talent in. One of them is going to come in and produce for you at the very least. Vita Vea and Ronald Jones, you know, you're going to keep going. I know Alex Kappa is a guy that you brought up. They ended up grabbing him, uh, you know, at the tail end of the third. 
he he's a guy. Yeah, out of Humboldt, he you know he's a guy that you said was very underrated, and you know he deserves an NFL spot. So this this team, I, I like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Really, Ronald Jones is my number one pick um, for them out of these that stand out the most for me. But Vita Vea at twelve for them when they were, I believe they were slotted at seven. It makes me happy. So. Um, yeah, I want to hear your loser for this for this one because I know all four teams actually did a pretty good job in this division. Yeah. So, so I mean, the Saints fans also like this. <laughs> I think it's the Falcons. The Falcons they got DJ Moore out of Maryland. It's not a bad pick. I think he's a no. Guy uh, that the pa- pa- Panthers got a uh, DJ Moore. The they got Calvin Ridley. Oh yes, you're right. Yes, Calvin Ridley. My bad. I apologize. All good. Same same type of thing. He was a very consistent receiver at Alabama, but. Vita Vea scored. Um, every other team they got, Marcus Davenport scored. Um, the the Panthers got DJ Moore scored. Every team got a player that was at a position that they needed. I don't want to say I think DJ Moore is better than Calvin Ridley, but I definitely think that his top end potential. Like I think Calvin Ridley is going to be a better receiver day one, but I think DJ Moore because he played at Maryland, once he starts getting some better guys around him, I think that his top-level talent is going to be the highest there. So, amazing. Uh, this division did a great job drafting. It's really hard to pick a loser when you have some teams like the Browns that, you know, I would say that the Falcons might have done better overall than yeah, the Browns yeah. in terms of utilizing their talent. But if I have to pick a loser, it's going to be the Falcons just because they did the least good out of all the teams. What about you, Perry? Um... I'm going to agree with you and go Falcons just because Calvin Ridley is a sexy pick. You know what I mean? It's a sexy pick uh, for fans. And it's like, oh, my God, Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley, both of them went to Alabama. You know, now we're going to air raid this offense. Plus, who forgot about Freeman and Tevin Coleman? So, yeah, this offense is stupid good. You know what I mean? This o- pretty good offensive line, too. This offense is stupid good. But the thing is, just like you said, I think that they had bigger needs in the first round. And I know that Calvin Ridley falling to you at 26, it's not a loss. I just really would have liked to see them address defensive tackle before the third round, which is what they did. And I like Ito Smith, Southern Miss uh, running back. He's super fast. They got him in the fourth round. But, you know, other than that, you know, Isaiah Oliver is not a bad pick either at cornerback. It's just the fact that I thought they were going to get Taven Bryan, if not someone like Harrison Phillips uh, from Stanford for their defensive tackle position. And for them to get Dietrich Senat, who I, I, I'm not even sure if I said that right, from South Florida, it's just a swing and miss for me because with Don Terry Poe leaving, it just was a need for them to go de-tackle for the future. And even though they went out and signed someone in free agency, I just would have liked to see them develop, you know, their de-tackle for the future. That would have been something I really would like to see. But Calvin Ridley, there's not a loss. I'm not going to say the Falcons drafted bad because it's really a toss-up between the Falcons and the Panthers for me. Just like you said, Calvin Ridley, DJ Moore, they both needed a receiver. I think the Panthers needed a receiver a little bit more. So that's why I like their pick. But Calvin Ridley at 26 is definitely a come up. I definitely think that they should have moved back or, you know, went for a guy at a position of need a little bit more. But definitely this division might have been one of the best overall divisions in regards to not having a loser, really. I think they all help their team in some some aspect. Um, Let's move on to the... What was that? No, I said, no, I agree. It's it's a hard... It's hard when some, like... The way that we scheduled this, you know, some divisions just were jam-packed. Yeah. It's hard to pick a loser when we felt like they won right. in general. Definitely. And, I mean, and you have to realize out of that, out of those four teams, 
three out of the four of them won at least 10 games last year. You know what I mean? The yeah. Falcons won 10. Panthers won 11. Saints won 11. So that's a team that they're not relying on the draft the same as, you know, for example... Yeah, you know what I mean? The the AFC South teams where although Jacksonville won 10 games, you know, the Colts and Texans each won four at the bottom of that division, or the Dolphins and Jets won five games and six games in the AFC East. So it's not like you have to, even the Redskins and Giants, you know, the Packers and Bears, this was a team, this was a division that at 5-11, and 11, the Bucks were kind of the red-headed stepchild of this division, and they still should have been better because of Jameis Winston. And yeah, you know what I mean? definitely team poised to do a lot better yeah. than they did. Yeah, yeah, we'll we'll see with uh, with this next year. But let's move on to the NFC West teams: Los Angeles Rams, Seattle Seahawks, Arizona Cardinals, and the San Francisco Forty ers So let's start off with this one: Who's your winner out of these four teams? The Arizona Cardinals. You traded up. You didn't overspend, and you got Josh Rosen. Amazing. Yep. He, I think, got they're going to opt out of Sam Bradford's contract after a year once they see what Rosen can bring them. Like we said in our pre-draft stuff, he's the most game-ready quarterback, so I think he's going to get the nod going in there pretty soon. And if he does well, in the end, even if he doesn't do well, twenty. I think they have Sam Bradford on a twenty-eight million dollar contract. If you think that Josh Rosen can bring you a similar or even just a smaller um, like a slightly worse effect, you should get rid of him off your books. That's a lot of money to allocate to a backup quarterback. Yeah. And then they also got Christian Kirk in the second round, who um, is very young, obviously. He's been drafted, just came out of college. But when you have a guy like Larry Fitzgerald, who's this is probably going to be his last year, infusing a young guy into that core, it's it's the same kind of thing. I don't know if um, you've ever had an old dog, and you get you know you get a really young puppy, and you you into the family it makes the old dog act all young and energetic because the puppy's around right. i think that might have that kind of effect in the wide receiver room for the cardinals you know you get that christian kirk he's a smaller guy very energetic you know not that Blair fitzgerald has problems being energetic but he is older and well, yeah. i think that having a young guy like that will you know liven up a little another bit. So another great winner. thing though is the fact that fitzgerald has made such a career for him here at the end of his career at the slot position and he's been able to change his career and revive his career by becoming such a reliable slot receiver instead. And you're going to bring in a guy like Christian Kirk who can run the slot so well, he's going to be learning from possibly the best slot receiver in the game right now. You know what I mean? And yeah, if not if, if not the best right now, definitely the wisest, you know, the one that with the most to teach. And why not pick a receiver who with, uh, with your quarterback who's going to just build chemistry in the same draft grow class? Together. Yeah, grow together. Why not? That sounds like a great plan to me. Uh, but yeah, no, I definitely see where your head's at with um, with the Cardinals. I totally agree with you. I like that they were able to go get Rosen. That was their guy. I think it's a good spot for, for Rosen. It's a fun place to live. Uh, I know that it's it's just the boonies sometimes in the desert, but you know he's going to be in the city. He's going to be looked at like a king. Um, and Arizonans take sports very seriously. I know people don't realize it, but, you know, there's not a ton to do there either. Uh, outside of, you know, partying and, you know, your sports teams and doing your work, you know, it's not like L.A., you know, where there's something to do at every second or some vintage ice cream place that does something like a latte that's like $20, like, but you just go for the experience. Like, that's all over the place here, you know what I mean? But Arizona yeah, doesn't... another thing, too, is that people don't know about, Arizona is a mecca for athletes training a yes, lot of guys yes. that uh, I had played college football with they as soon as we're done with our season and you know everything's all done 
they're shipping off to training centers in Scottsdale, in Phoenix, right. in Arizona right. to do training. So you have a guy in a city, like you said, there's not a lot to do. I know there's some partying to go on in Arizona, but you're, I feel like he's the type of guy, he's going to be training all offseason. Yeah. He's in an area yeah. to train. The so, thing is, like too, that. with Arizona, you can't have anything outdoors. You can't have these open practice facilities. They all have to be no, domed. They all have to be inside. They're all state-of-the-art. They're all super nice. I know uh, I went to ASU, and I know I've been in the ASU football's practice facility, which has to be indoors. Obviously, they don't practice at their field, but it's beautiful, state-of-the-art, and it's it's such a talking point for some of these guys. So it, Josh Rosen being in Arizona, I love him there. Christian Kirk, I love him there too. A uh, guy I wish the Cowboys would have taken a chance on in the second round, but I love seeing the Cardinals build up their offense like this. So they're definitely my winner. Uh, who do you have for your loser out of the Rams, Seahawks, and 49ers? Seahawks. Reached on Rashad Penny. Big time. You have, Big you time. have so... Nobody's a bad player, too. You just reached on reached. him. You, you took him way too high. You could have traded back and got him. There's so, so many needs that you have. There's so, you know, when, when a doctor's working on a body and trauma, you got to just start, start, you got to start somewhere. You got to start helping the wounds. Getting a running back, yeah, they need running back help, but one, he's not the answer. And two, you have so many more needs. You have so many more injuries on your team so many wounds that you need to heal with your draft picks that you just chose the wrong one god i'm really scared for Pete carroll's job security yeah it's not it's not looking very good um for for me it's really hard to pick a loser because i'm not a big fan of what either of these three teams did to be honest 49ers mike mcglinchy at number nine was a bit of a reach but they wanted to get their guy who they believe was the best offensive tackle in this draft and they got a receiver in dante pettis too so i can't mark them as the loser because i feel like they you know did some decent stuff i'm gonna have to agree with you and say the seahawks because of rashad penny i think they fumbled that so badly um and but i do like shakeem griffin in the fifth round such a cool story um to match him up with his brother he's got the one arm so it's so cool to see him crack in the nfl and you know hopefully he's gonna make this team um he'll but, be a good player yeah he's he's deadly fast he's so fast yeah the thing for, is with the seahawks is they they put a premium on speed and he has a lot of that the only thing is the Seahawks saved themselves a bit with an amazing fifth round. And I'm, and that's weird to say because people don't usually use the fifth round to shovel out their team. But they had four picks in the fifth round. One, two, three, four. And Shaquem Griffin being one of them. Trey Flowers, Oklahoma State safety. Someone who I did read upon. He's actually really good, underrated. And Jamarco Jones, offensive tackle, Ohio State. I had him in my second round for my mock draft. I know I might have reached on him a bit. I read that he probably was more of a third-round talent, but I love Jamarco Jones for some reason from Ohio State. 6'4", 299 pounds. He's got a very fast step, and I really like him. He's a very good pass protector. That's what I like the most. And, you know, coming onto a team that needs pass protection with, you know, Russell Wilson, to grab him in the fifth round, that was a big pick for me too so for some reason they loaded up in the fifth round but they screwed up for the rest of the draft and in the first round the one pick they did have up there they got Rashad Penny so if we're just grading you know fifth rounds here I think the Seahawks won this whole draft but 
we're not. We're not. We're drafting the whole thing, and I think that they were one of the biggest losers because they really didn't do a very good job filling the yeah, needs that I thought Lions they did. Just yeah, fumble the first round. Didn't didn't like it very much, but uh, yeah. Okay, so that's pretty much our winners and losers of each division. Wanted to give a quick. I wanted to ask you a quick question. I know something we were talking about earlier in the week. Who do you think is going to be your Jaguars of this year? Who's going to be the team that turns everything around, possibly even makes the playoffs? I'm not saying they have to make the same kind of run as the Jaguars, but what team that was so bad or doesn't have much going on, what, do you th- what team is going to come out of nowhere? I'm so happy you brought this up. The New York Giants. They are the team that is so poised to shake back. It's crazy. And they have the opportunity to still add either Des Bryant or Adrian Peterson to their roster. They have the cap for it, and they can. Those, both those players can come in and play a supporting. And, well, Des Bryant could come in and... No, they both be supporting. There's no way yeah. Des would outperform Odell Beckham. Nope. But the Giants, they got Nate, like I said earlier, Nate Solder, a left tackle. Willie Hernandez in the draft locked up your offensive line. Saquon Barkley, transcendent player, will help out Eli Manning. Perfect. Odell Beckham's going to come off an injury. Eli Manning... I think he still has it, but what quarterback would have done well with... I mean, look at what happened to Dak Prescott when Tyron Smith and Ezekiel Elliott were out. He was getting blitzes all day. Adrian Claiborne ate his ass up. There was so... It's so hard to be a great quarterback when you have 300-pound freaks running at you. That will not be the case with the Giants next year, and I think they will be the Jaguars of next season. What about you, Perry? Uh, I got two teams. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers, if Jameis Winston can stay healthy... And he can find that connection with his receivers and use Ronald Jones the way I think that he will. I think this team, who you know came out of last year at five and eleven, I think they go nine and seven, if not ten and six. I see them competing for this division. The thing is that they might be in the best division out of all of football right now. So it's going to be tough to compete with the Falcons, Panthers, and Saints. But I see them turning it around. Another team that I really, really like, the Houston Texans. And I think people keep forgetting about them because of the fact that Deshaun Watson went down last year. But Deshaun Watson was one of the most productive quarterbacks in the entire league. Not just rookies, but players. And they went 4-12 and last year. I really see the Houston Texans... Bouncing, JJ Watt will be back. Bouncing back. I really I really like this team. Jadavion Clowney, JJ Watt. I think they're gonna take this defense and really solidify it again. They got Tyron Matthew. Yeah, just like you were about to say, Tyron Matthew's about to be their ball hawk back there. You know, and they got Aaron Colvin from the Jaguars. I really like the moves that they've made in Deshaun Watson coming back. I think that, you know, they're gonna go from a four and twelve team and flip that around to like ten and six or something like that. And you know, really, and give the Jaguars a run for their money in this division. If not, probably slip away with like a a wild card spot. But I I think the Texans would be my my number one team. The Buccaneers, I think they're going to do well, but they're kind of screwed in that division. But don't be surprised if the Texans slip in the playoffs this year. No, I agree, and we got to remember that there was a period where Deshaun Watson was playing better than Tom Brady. We all got to remember that. Yeah, no, seriously. Uh, But yeah, I wanted to just talk quickly with Christian right there just about the post-NFL draft, and we won't be talking about the draft anymore. I know you guys must be awfully sick of our mock drafts and draft talk, but I know you love it, and uh, just so sad not to have Corbin with us today, but so happy that you know Christian and I are still able to do this and get out an episode for you guys. Uh, Whoever your team is, hopefully we said some good stuff about them this this episode, if not, feel free to shoot us some questions on Twitter. We'd love to be active with you guys. Respond to any draft questions that you may have while it's still re- 
sorry, while it's still relevant right now. Uh, so we got a ton coming up right now for the NFL. Diving into rookie training camp already started this this week. We had a ton of rookies already signed. So please take a look at our Twitter at NFL Unwrapped. We're reporting every single signing, any fun stuff. I know the Panthers got some news coming up about a potential new ownership group, all those kind of things. If you want to see more information about anything going around the NFL, Go follow our page on Twitter right there. If not, follow my personal page at Perry Aston or Christians at McGowan75. Please listen to us at NFL Unwrapped on the Apple iTunes podcast app. Also remember that you can listen to us on SoundCloud as well. If you're on the Apple iTunes podcast app, please go on there and rate us a five-star. Shoot us a review. We really appreciate your guys' feedback. Um, just had an amazing time with you today, Christian. Anything last that you want to say to our fans before we tune out today? Just feel free to interact with us on Twitter. We love that, and we love just building our fan base and just being very accessible to them and what they want to hear and talk about some topics that you know you guys would like to hear on a future podcast. So let us know anything, anything you want to bring up or discuss. Feel free to hit us at that NFL Unwrap Twitter Twitter page. Well, thank you guys so much for tuning in to NFL Unwrap, where we unwrap the hottest takes around the NFL. I'm Perry Aston, joined by today Christian McGowan, and next time Corbin. We love you guys, and we'll see you guys next time. Have a great.